Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. You know what I mean? It just doesn't compute, you know? The law is the law. Peter, this is in our hands. I mean, it really is. People were there. We will continue to raise our voices. We're the one for Cork. And ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850 715 996. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Oh, you gotta hand it to Mr. Peter Aiken. Time and time and time again, Mr. Peter Aiken and his company have delivered for Cork. They've brought the biggest and they've brought the best and they've brought the superstars of the world to Cork. And right now, when we need a little boost, when we're dragging ourselves through the second summer of pretty much nothing, we get great news. 1st of July 2022, none other than Elton John. I can tell you, I've seen Elton John twice. I saw him the last time he was in the marquee. And Elton John in Parky Cueve is a must-have for 2022. How great is it for the city that we can already start to plan for next summer uh, with a massive gig like this. Everyone will be putting the date in their diary, getting the tickets, thinking about the tickets for Christmas for all and sundry. This will be the big gig of the year uh, next summer in Cork and great to have news of it already. Sandra, I don't know about you, but I am a lifetime Elton John fan. Big news. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Like you, I am the exact same. And I saw him, I think it was 2017, actually, in the marquee. Yeah. So for the last couple of days, just the whole teasers that were coming out from Aiken were just incredibly exciting. And then to get the news that it's going to be, you know, he's going to go out the biggest possible way, the most spectacular production. And we're just so incredibly lucky to have something to look forward to now in Cork for next summer. Like this, this is his farewell tour. This is it. No, Elton John's been retiring since about 1989. <laughs> so we, we you know, but, but, but at the same time. But that's okay. We'll hang on to him. We, we take this farewell tour. <laughs> and I've, as I said, I've, I've seen him twice and he just gets better with every song, literally. And, and every 10 minutes he's getting better. This is, this is a huge signing for, for Peter Aiken, who, like I said, and, you know, he, Peter Aiken has delivered so much for the city over the years. I mean, you're in, you're in the, the hospitality business yourself in, in Trigon Hotel, Sandra. This is huge for, for business. This is huge. This is huge because I suppose, you know, the last 18 months have been so immensely challenging for so many. Um, and obviously, particularly in hospitality, it's, it's been the most difficult and in part darkest periods um, with that industry. But 
you know, now that we can finally get back to planning and obviously we've been welcoming families and guests into us for the last um, number of weeks, it's just exciting to finally see events return. And I suppose in my capacity, I was event creation for, for many years with Trigon Hotels. Um, and it was just heartbreaking not to be able to organise events that people so much long for. Um, but I definitely think Elton John 2022 is going to be an emotional concert for people to, to, to be able to be together again and celebrate and see a live gig and all of that. And obviously at the moment we're seeing the likes of the Opera House and the Everyman coming back with outdoor gigs, which is really, really welcome as well. Because obviously people who are performers um, haven't been able to perform for, for the last year and a half and it's been immensely lonely for people. So this is just fantastic news this morning. It'll be a great night in Cork in the summer Absolutely. of 2022. Uh, Elton John live on stage at Parky Cueve. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, big night, a big a big announcement this morning for the city. Yeah, I know we've had big concerts. We've had Springsteen here. We've had Bob Dylan here. We've had them all here pretty much uh, over the years. But... Well, Rod Stewart was the last big one at the at Parquet Cueve. But to have an announcement like this, this is once again a big company like Aikens placing their confidence in Cork to be here celebrating with us in July of 2022 when hopefully all this all of this nonsense is well and truly behind us. I mean, if you look at the guy, like he's got one, he's got 26 gold albums, 38 platinum albums, 50 top 40 hits, 300 million records sold, including the biggest selling single of all time. This guy's royalty and he's coming here again next summer and it's great news. And that's a nice way to start on a Thursday morning, Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. on Cork's 96 FM. 96 FM. Yeah, tickets for that Elton John tour go on sale tomorrow week, I think, or Thursday, Thursday, this day week, the 22nd of July at 9 o'clock. 1850-715-996. We've been speaking to Una Ring on and off over the last few months, ever since her stalker. Uh, was jailed back in February and she told us what she's been through and it's just breathtaking what she put up with uh, at at the hands of of that man. And we know from speaking to Una and speaking to others that stalking is not viewed as a separate offence in this country. It comes under existing legislation and people like Una and uh, another victim whom she has befriended have said no. Time for this to stop. It needs to be a separate offence outside of existing legislation. Eve McDowell is the other uh, campaigner. But Una, I think you've now had sight of draft legislation that will do just that. Good morning again. Good morning. Thanks again for having me on, PJ. Delighted. You've seen what they plan to bring forward. Tell me more. Yeah, uh, so we were contacted by uh, Lisa Chambers. Um, she's a Fianna Fáil senator. And um, 
we discussed with her, we had a few meetings with her about um, drafting new legislation to make um, stalking a standalone crime. Um, so in fairness to her, she, she included us in every aspect of it. Like she, she'd send us the bill, we'd amend it, send it back, she'd redo it, she'd send it back to us, we'd re-amend it. Like this went on for the last couple of weeks, like we've all put an awful lot of work into it and there was Catherine O'Sullivan from UCC as well and um, Rebecca Cohen from the Law Reform Commissioners, they, they, they all had eyes on it as well and they all had their input. Um, so between us all, we, we drafted new legislation and Lisa introduced it to the Shannon on um, Tuesday morning um, as the, you know, for, for, for the order of works for the autumn term um, where we're hoping to, hoping to have it passed. Um, mm-hmm. so Obviously it has to go through, it has to go through the Oireachtas procedure, which oh, is the whole, so... Yeah, and, about five steps yeah, and yeah. like, it, like we can, like we're going to push hard, myself and Eve will be travelling to Leinster House when it's been introduced formally and we're going to drum up media attention and try and put the pressure on um, but once it gets to a certain stage, I think it's stage three, once it hits, hits the committee stage, then like it's completely in the lap of the gods then we're like, we, we, we can do no more than only cross our fingers and hope for the best, you know. Yeah, yeah. this is um, the non-fatal I'll... offences against the person amendment stalking bill 2021. Mm-hmm. Long title, yeah. but basically it will do what you and Eve and others and indeed Mary Crilly at the Sexual Violence Centre said needs to be done. Stalking mm-hmm. needs to be a crime in its own right and not just come under an umbrella. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like the the... Like the harassment is is bad. Like I I was harassed for six weeks and that was bad enough. But like stalking is like I had to get in extra security on my house. I had to uh, seal my letterbox in case there was petrol poured through. I had to get CCTV cameras installed. Like that doesn't fall under harassment. That's a, that's that's a completely escalation of, of harassment and and it should be a standalone crime of stalking. You know. Mm. Because like you said, what James Steele did to you went beyond normal harass, harassment. Now, yeah. the the timing of this is is a little ironic, isn't it, Una? Yeah, because like when when Lisa introduced the bill to the Shannon, on that day last year, I woke up with the X's and O's on my window and the I win written across the windowsill. Um, so, like, little did I know that a year later we'd be we'd be at this stage. Well, little did I know at the time what was ahead of me anyway. Okay. Um, so, like, the, the timing is 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 very ironic, and it's kind of it's it's almost given me a boost because I was so down last year, and and you know things are so positive this year, like that that you know it's it's just been phenomenal. You know, like we've put an awful lot of work into the website and into the drafting of the legislation and now it's paying off, you know. Mm. I, was, I was just about to ask, actually, how are you? Because I know you're still you're still getting over this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And will be for another while. And I mean, like myself and Eve, we're, we're just victims muddling through, trying to get our lives back, but trying to, to help people who are coming up behind us. You know, like we're, we're not experts. Um, we're, we're, we're lay people. We're not solicitors. We have no legal background. But we're, we're, we're trucking along trying to get the job done at the same time, you know, because people coming up behind us will will need this law passed. And I do firmly believe that it will save lives and it will give the guards a bit more power to, to arrest somebody for stalking earlier on so that it doesn't escalate to the stage where, where I got to, you know. Well, you know, I think I think what you're doing is inspirational. Um, Thank you know, very much. Because someone like yourself, a victim of an awful crime like this, so uh, you you think that you'd want to go away and close your door 
and recover and mind yourself and not come out. But what you've done is you've put yourself up there front and centre into the public arena at a time when you're going through all this. I think I think you're absolutely brilliant, Una. You really are. You Thanks really are. very much. Cheers. Right. Thanks very much. Take care of yourself. Thanks very much, PJ. Nice Take talking care. to you again. Bye-bye. 1850 I think, and I'm going to say this straight out, because the sentencing was back in February, and I think, certainly in my mind... And there's a few months to go on it yet. I think Una Ring is my woman of 2021. She is the woman of the year for me in, in terms of what she's doing. Special, special woman. 1850-715-996. Let us look at this proposal re- revealed or released by the council last evening. The pictures are impressive. They look great. But then pictures do, and computer-generated models do, and graphics do. They all look absolutely great. And look, when the Taoiseach said he was investing 46 million, or the government was investing 46 million in the city centre, we thought, OK, this will be good. We're getting a new library. They're changing Bishop Lucy Park. They're going to make sure that the area around the so far non-event centre will look great for if we ever get the damn thing. And then we kind of said, OK, that's grand. Thanks. But now they've released the first phase and I had an opportunity to chat with the Chief Executive of Cork City Council about it, Anne Doherty. Chief Executive Anne Doherty, welcome to the Opinion Line. What is in this plan? Go through it for me. So delighted to be able to talk to you this morning about, um, I suppose, what's the first articulation of the 46, over 46 million investment that was committed by government to the Grand Parade Quarter of the city. Um, earlier in the year. So what we're announcing now is the uh, public display of the uh, two of the projects for that quarter. One is the um, redevelopment of Bishop Lucy Park, opening it up, making it far more accessible and far more user-friendly and integrating uh, the Grand Parade with uh, South Main Street, which at the moment isn't well integrated. So that's one of the projects. The second one is a wider public realm project uh, around Bishop Lucy Park, Tucky Street, down onto South Main Street, and over then Tobin Street, Southgate Bridge, uh, Provis Quay, Frenchs Quay, Crosses Green, Clarks Bridge, and Wandsworth Quay. Talk to me first about uh, Bishop Lucy Park. F- mm-hmm. From what we know now, from what we're familiar with, what's the new version going to look like? So at the moment, as you know, Bishop Lucy Park is gated on all sides. So the new version will see all of those gates coming down, that the park will be accessible 24-7 to everybody who's using the city, that it will uh, be more sensitive to the treatment of the historic walls of the city, um, and the other, uh, I suppose, ensuring as well that the whole biodiversity and the nature Parts of the park are far more you are far more accessible to everybody. So it will be instead of being something that you might go to, it will become part of your norm to walk through it if you're going from one part of the city to the other. So it won't close anymore then. No, no. Could that cause a a public order issue or a antisocial behaviour problem? Because let's face it, and we know that there is uh, something of a antisocial behaviour issue in that area at times. Could it make it harder to police that if it's open all the time? I think one of the things we've all learned, haven't we, over the last year and a half, that when 
the streets are occupied by people. And we've seen that in our city as part of our Reimagine programme, that the streets, when they're full of people, that that actually has a huge positive impact on the management of any antisocial behaviour. And we've seen that right across the city with on-street dining. And, and I believe the same will happen because obviously this is part of a wider regeneration of the Grand Parade area. And the, further to the plan will be the development of a new library, which will see over a million people a year visit. So I think it's about bringing activity to the street. It's bringing activity to the area. And when you improve the facilities around an area, then business will thrive. You, we've seen that. When you make it busier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And as you know, obviously, um, you know, the Beamish and Crawford site, so we'll be able to integrate a way bigger uh, public plaza there as part of this. And obviously, when the event centre opens, that will obviously be a huge footfall in that area. And, and this is where the second element of, of the project, what you call the public realm changes, that's to tie in with the event centre plan. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Now comes the difficult one, and where is the event centre? Like, we've been waiting on it since God knows when. Um, it's, we're on it, um, I, suppose it's, it's, I suppose it's seven years ago since the public um, competition for the preferred provider. Obviously, the last two years have been um, earth-shattering for everybody, no one less than Live Nation. But Live Nation are very strongly at the table. Um, we've just uh, been through a very detailed process with them in relation to the legals, if I call it that mm. word, around the funding agreement for the um, to support the development of the event centre. Um, the next phase after that, from their perspective, then is, is a detailed design and then obviously the uh, construction. Yeah. Do we know when we'll see shovels in the ground? Well, you know now, PJ, uh, shovels in the ground questions are always ones that uh, are, are difficult. Um, I, the detailed design for this project takes in the order of nine months. Yeah. Mm. And construction of this project would take in order of two years. Mm. So that gives you some idea of a timescale. But I don't want to say that part one is starting next week or the week after. Mm. Live Nation obviously have to work through their own governance. Mm. But I suppose what's really important, Live Nation have had to do a massive restructuring um, of their business because of what happened. Um, but Live Nation are totally supportive globally. They're a global company mm. of the development of a multifunctional event centre. The only reason I brought it up is because these plans in front of us are, are exciting and it, it would be an awful shame if the event centre didn't happen to coincide with everything else that is happening, you know. And, and I think, PJ, you know, we all now, um, post-COVID, you know, experience is really important to all of us, isn't it, about how we how we live, how we interact with each other. So the importance of the event centre for Cork, a city of scale now that we are, is even, like, the compelling case is even more compelling than it ever was. These are major changes uh, to the city centre, places for people to meet and gather and walk. It sounds like a wonderful, you know, a wonderful reconfiguration of the city for people who live there, who work there, who come in and out to shop. The pandemic has more of us working from home than ever before, more of us never going into town, never having to go to town. Is it an idea for an era that may be gone? Do you think that the working from home generation will actually come in to enjoy these new facilities? 
I do, I do. I think, and, and you know, we're all part of the working from home generation in one sense, aren't we? In terms of we've all had to change our lives in terms of how we work, but. I do think, PJ, that you know we are still as human beings. We are, um, we're social. We we need other human beings. We like to be social, but I think that we will be far more. Um, uh, what's the word I want to use? We'll be far more. Um, we'll want a different type of experience. We 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 love the culture. We love meeting with each other. We like to eat nice food. We need we like to gather together. So what we're trying to do in reimagining our city is create the spaces and the conditions that that can thrive. Sort of I- I- the old saying: if you build it, they will come. There is a little bit of that, but it needs to be built right. It needs to be built in keeping with what people want. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, we all want uh, openness of space. We all want to respect nature. We all want to embrace culture and heritage. Mm-hmm. So it's about trying to achieve all of those things with these projects. And is that where the public consultation will come in? That's the next step. When does yeah. it start? So um, on... Um, on Friday, the plans of these two projects will go out for a public consultation, and that will run for a period of eight weeks. Uh, at the end of that, obviously, all the feedback will be assimilated, and then uh, the outcome of all of that will be presented to council. We would hope to be able to do that in October at a council meeting in October, and then the elected members, which is their reserved function, will either uh, approve or not the progression of the project. The plans may alter as a consequence of those um, Mm. consultations or there may be tweaks that need to be made. And that's the purpose of going through this public consultation. But have you a date in your mind or has the council got a date in its mind as to when they'd like to start work on this project? Oh, yes, absolutely. So uh, just laying out the process to you. So the eight-week consultation starts um, uh, now. Uh, Then at the end of that, obviously all, as I said, all of the information is assimilated um, and some of it may may require um, changes, some may not. Then it's presented to council. We hope to do that at the October meeting of council. And then um, subject to obviously council's approval, which is a very important part of the process, uh, then we would be going to detail design, tender, and then looking at construction early in 2022. Well, we wish you luck with it. It it looked like great transformation for our city. And, And thanks for being with us today. Not at all. And thank you. Great to talk to you. Take care. City Chief Executive and Doherty. A uh, few responses to that. I'll get them in a little while. What do you think, though? Uh, Bishop Lucy Park to be open all the time. Take down the fences, take away the gates, and they'll redesign it and it'll be open as a kind of a throughput all the time. And then they're doing up all the streets down by the back there by Beamishes, down over the bridges. Sounds fabulous. Looks great in the models. Looks great in the computer design if we ever get the event centre built which look once again she says we will she has to say we will but once again people are reassuring us we will get the event centre built it all looks marvellous on paper but then that's what paper does 1850 Donald wants to know did I say when the Elton John tickets are on sale Donald this day week the 22nd of July at 9 o'clock Tickets on sale, ticketmaster.ie for Elton John live at Parky Cueve, 1st of July 2022. Put the countdown into your phone. All the stars on one show.
This is Dua Lipa. Hi, this is Tiesto. Oh, this is Shane Khan. Hey, this is Anne-Marie. Hey, it's me, Justin Bieber. This is Joe Corey. I go by the name of The Weeknd. The Hit Mix with Shane Bucks on your radio. Weeknights from 8. With Lucy's Nissan Charleville. Put a smile on your face with the all-new Duke. The Coupe Crossover. LucyMotors.com Corks 96 FM Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96 FM. <laughs> Hi PJ, let us hope that in the revamp of the Grand Parade, that the gates of Bishop Lucy Park don't go missing like the fountain at the end of Shenton Street. Uh, did they ever find that? That There was a rumour going around that it was in somebody's backyard. The fountain that used to be down there by Nosy Keefe's shop. That went, we, we were looking into that a couple of years ago on the programme. No one, I think, ever found where it went. Uh, not implying anybody actually took it. We just, it was taken. It never, we never, where is it? Where is it? Is the question. And the person here is saying those gorgeous gates, and they are those beautiful historical gates of Bishop Lucy Park. Let's, let's hope that they don't actually go missing. Um, Maeve sent us a picture of litter, including <clears throat> drug paraphernalia <clears throat> or drug rubbish. She said this was part of Bishop Lucy Park last Saturday. The rest of it was just as bad. Bins overflowing, the fountain had no water in it and full of rubbish. Surely stage one should be just to keep the damn place clean. It's appalling the state of it. Good to have developments, but it really was shocking to see the way it was says Maeve. Tom says, we lost South Dock in Blackpool and it still hasn't reopened. If that area is sold or is it up for sale or will it be closed down so that when it's given the green light to reopen it won't be able to? What's happening there? Paul says this is disgraceful. Michal Martin is spending so much money for Cork City, yet there's people sitting on trolleys all over the country. Some of that 50 million quid could go to that. Could it not? Or Debbie Downer says, we'd all love to use Bishop Lucy Park as it is, but nobody thinks it's safe. None of my friends would go there alone, even on a Saturday afternoon. Thank you. 1850-715-996. Would you believe it? We haven't mentioned COVID so far this morning. We haven't mentioned vaccines so far this morning. Uh, we haven't mentioned that protest outside the convention centre last night. Not because anybody phoned us and told us not to. This viewer is out there. Ah, don't, don't you be mentioning that now at all because you understand. Well, no, there was a big protest outside the convention centre last night. Some of the behaviour was grand. Some of the behaviour was terrible. But, hey, it is what it is. But... Um, we got on to, uh, or we saw a tweet by Suzanne. Suzanne's not been on the show in a while, reminding us of just how dangerous things are at the moment across the water. And I suppose the, the, the hope is, Suzanne, that when they do go for it on Monday, that we could end up with the same problems here. Good morning. Hi, good morning, PJ. I know we haven't spoken in a while, and I've been kind of low-key on Twitter for quite a while as well. I suppose um, what triggered it the other day, PJ, was that I just don't think that people are understanding fully what the virus and the vaccine are. They, people think that the vaccine is the cure to all or that it's, you know, oh God, you know, like we should be able to live now. So it was. Just, I was just really explaining in layman's language. Yeah. You have a scientific on. background, don't you, Suzanne? Yeah, I do, I do, I do. I'm biochemist going back years, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so basically... Just for people to know, the vaccine will in most part stimulate your immune system to protect you against COVID. 
And But what the vaccine is that I don't think people understand is a vaccine is a dead, weak or a diluted form of the virus. It's enough to stimulate your immune system to produce your own antibodies so that you're prepped if you come in contact with the virus in daily life. Mm-hmm. The problem is, as the original virus continues to spread, it mutates. And as more variants are occurring, they then mutate. Mm. And our immune systems will need boosters mm. or won't be ready for those new variants. Now, we, we are told, Suzanne, by all of the authorities, and indeed our, our friend in, in the UK, John, John Campbell, who does quite an amount of work on this, the, the four vaccines presently licensed here in Ireland yes. are coping well with all variants, particu- particularly Pfizer. But I'll tell you, the truth is, or at least from my knowledge, is that a a vaccine, especially in something as virulent as this and infectious as this is, as time goes by and as it spreads more, it's like a key getting sticky in a lock. You know the way, you know the way you have a key and it it just, it doesn't work properly as time goes by. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. A, A dodgy key. And that's basically what this is like. So the more variants, the more mutations that occur, the less it will be able to cope. I think what it's this is like the ma- the the vaccines are like the master key, yeah. and they're working fine. But the more variations you get, yeah. the more sticky that key is going to get. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And that's and that's why people are saying, please don't travel, please. Like, and people are giving out about Neffet. Neffet are giving medical scientific advice and facts. Yeah. It's the government are acting on that. Don't blame Neffed. They're not making it up, the science. Yeah. You know? Um, and people think that it's this. Some people, not every, like most people don't. But there's no conspiracy here. They, we're fighting this deadly virus that is not only, we're finding out as time goes by, it's creating long COVID. Sorry, our health systems won't be able to cope with long COVID either. They can't cope with the hospitalisation numbers mm. going way up. But they won't be able to cope with the number of people getting long COVID if this continues, you know, as well. So I think we just need to be really, really careful. And people need to understand it's not a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Again, we saw the protests outside the convention centre last night. I didn't hear about that now, but yeah. Well, there was a fair number. And, And there is a pushback against... Neffet, and is. and you have to deal with the argument. Oh, should they run? The, who's running the country? Is it Michal Martin or Tony Holohan? Neffet aren't doing giving this advice because they you know they want to give it. They're just giving the science advice. Yeah. Um. It's that. I'm like. I'm now sure they do. They, in fairness, they do set their face against certain things in a way that we don't understand sometimes, know, and that annoys people. You know. It does, and I think really some layman's terms. I think could you know the the, the you know break the science down easier for people yeah. to understand I think would be maybe important and I think it would be a great idea if they put an ad out with a graphic explaining what possibly, a vaccine possibly, is just possibly. like I explained there to you yeah. so that people would get it yeah. you know something um, that, that you were tweeting about and we need to be careful of this uh, yes. something that you heard from in London you, oh yes yeah. um, it was like a, a cousin of mine in London and like this isn't a friend of a friend of a friend this is genuine um, her book club last Friday last week one of the girls at it is a bit of a was a, is an anti-vaxxer she didn't she and she hadn't had the vaccine it's irrespective of her being an anti-vaxxer she hadn't had a vaccine okay her husband had been feeling unwell the day before didn't think anything of it. 
she went to her book club on Tuesday night. Now, as it happens, the other five people at the book club had been double vaccinated. So she wasn't worried. They weren't worried. On Thursday, her husband was diagnosed with COVID. And by the weekend, the five people in the book club and this girl, like who obviously hadn't been vaccinated, they had all been diagnosed with COVID. And two of the people had been double vac- who had been double vaccinated were very, very sick. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what I'm saying about the mutations. We need to be careful. It's an extremely clever virus. Somebody tweeted during the week and I thought it was one of the best tweets I'd seen uh, in the whole lot of this, yes. Suzanne. Yeah. Having your double vaccination is a bit like factor 50. You put exactly. on your factor 50, but you don't still act stupid in the sun. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's, and I think we need to be very aware. Of that. Now, I know I feel so sorry for businesses. Don't get me wrong. But like, the Neffet aren't doing this to mm. damage business. Neffet would love to say, we have this sorted. It's going to be over now as soon as we get this. They would love that. But the virus is is boxing very clever. Yeah. You know, and it's spreading so fast. It's varying so fast. It's mutating so fast that it's it's a step ahead of us all the time. And we just need to be... Just, I mean, I don't want to be scaring people, but I just think people need to cop on a bit and realise... I mean, I want to live as well, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm dying to have my social activities. And I'm dying for things to open up indoors. But I'm double vaccinated. I know I'm taking a risk, you know, I'm going inside, you yeah. know. And in fact, even now I'm going to create war here in saying this. But even I was, I've been one or two places outside. Now, I haven't moved from outside them. where, But I have looked up and said, ah, come on now. The parasols are literally side by side. And you're completely blocked up. On, and so that's on top of you. And all around you, there's glass or there's perspex running the length of the area, whatever. It's as if you're being boxed in. You might as well be inside, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've seen some of these. They're, they're basically just a tent. You know, exactly. a tent is not outdoor dining. Let's, exactly. let's be very straight about this. Exactly. It's not. Now, I don't want to stymie anybody. I still sat there and had my meal, you know? But... I was taking a risk. Like, I mean, I was, to be honest, I was, you know, a bit stupid to do it given that I have the knowledge, you know. But I was going to take risks. But it's just, we really do need to be aware and be responsible. We have to take on the burden of self responsibility as well. And that's and where. Don't blame effort. Yeah, yeah. Personal responsibility is, is the big catchphrase. Now, unfortunately, Boris is giving it a bad name in the UK. But personal responsibility, thank you, Suzanne. If you don't feel right, then don't do it. Yeah, that was Orla Hegarty, actually, the, the architect, the architecture. We've had her on the programme a few times talking about ventilation and designing buildings for the future and keeping your windows open and all that kind of thing, how important ventilation is. But what she said about the vaccinations, which I thought was the tweet of the month, and a lot of people have been retweeting it and supposed taking credit for it, so best to give her credit for it. What she said, I'm paraphrasing the tweet, the tweet was, when you're fully vaccinated, it's a bit like your factor 50. You put on your factor 50, you go out in the hot sun, you don't act reckless out in the hot sun. You still pre- take precautions. You get in out of it from time to time. You don't act recklessly in the sun, with your fact, even with your factor 50 on. So don't act recklessly in an environment dripping with COVID-19. 
even though you're double vaccinated which was the best explanation of the lot come here it's coming again should tell you must remind you Cork's 96 event best of Cork awards they're back for 2021 all of the details this Friday right here on Cork's 96 FM we don't need to hear people giving out about COVID anymore says a caller asking us to stay at home leave it pass we need life to move on and John says, if this thing keeps mutating, then we need booster shots forever. Clearly, there's no guarantee with the current vaccines. We need to get on with life. Well, there is no guarantee. You're considerably safer. You're much, much, much safer when you're fully vaccinated. But there is no guarantee you can't get it. Uh, there's a huge chance that if you do get it, it'll be very, very mild. Very mild. But there is no guarantee. And yes, we probably will need boosters. And already... At least one company, Pfizer, is looking at a third shot that the most vulnerable would get, possibly late this year or early next. So it, it's going to be with us for a while. It is going to be with us for a while because we might bring it under control here, and we will bring it under control here, but it'll be all over the world in the countries where they haven't got a good vaccination program. So we, we, we will need to be very, very careful for a while to come. But can we get back to living at the same time? I think we can on Bishop Lucy Park. It'll be lovely for the city, but it needs uh, a collie. A collie? Like in Fitzgerald's Park years ago to monitor it from Paul in the car park. I've no idea what you mean. <laughs> a collie? All right. Uh, I don't think the park should be open 24 hours. It'll be destroyed. People can say it won't, but it'll be used as a nighttime hangout spot and be totally littered. Leave it as the gem it is and leave the gates where they are. 1850 Up and down the country, if you look at people putting up their Instagram pictures and their Twitter pictures this morning, they're saying, oh, the weather is coming, the weather is great. Oh, the place, where is this heat wave we were promised? As I look out my window, I see a bright, warm, but cloudy morning. Now, all of the apps are telling me it's coming later today and will be with us for a few days at least. All of the apps. And Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather has been very optimistic over the next couple of days. We're going to see a bit of proper summer, Alan. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. It's coming home. <laughs> Don't go there, please. <laughs> but we are going to see some nice, handy weather, and it's going to sit for at least a few days. It is. It really is. Already, I'm, I'm actually at the top of Carlow. It's a small county compared to you down there, and I've got the blue skies appearing here. And I can see on the satellite that some of the south coast already has the blue skies the clouds are going to burn off through today and um, some good sunny spells. There will be still cloud lingering around in the afternoon for some areas. But getting warm, getting up to 24 degrees today, a little bit cooler near the coast, obviously. But more sunshine then tomorrow and temperatures creeping up another little bit. And the weekend then, really, most areas should see lots and lots of sunshine and getting up to 27, 28 degrees even inland. Mm. Now, it will be a little bit cooler near the coast, but still in the sunshine, it's going to be lovely. So if you head further in from the from the coast, obviously the temperatures will be rising under a couple of degrees. And it looks like now Peter's going to hang on for Monday and Tuesday. A um, little bit uncertain after Tuesday, but it does look like we're, we've got four or five at least very good days now. But what we're always looking for at this time of year, Alan, and you've explained it to me before and others have, we're looking for the kind of system that is strong enough to sit and keep the bad stuff out. This is the closest we've had so far to one of them. When will we know when it might be one of them? 
Yeah, so the Azores High is, is exactly that. It's moving up over us now, and that high is going to sit there for a couple of days. But there's another little low system that's going to try and come down and kind of split the high in two around the middle of the week. Now, the two main weather models is the GFS, which is the American, and the ECM, which is the European. And a lot of gaps you mentioned rely on the GFS. And that's showing rain coming around the end of the week um, and showing low system coming up over us. But the ECM European model has very little of any rainfall for 10 days. Mm. And that, that shows the high pressure. So there's a bit of a battle between the low and the high going to take place around the end of next week. And we don't know. It's too early yet to call that really. Yeah. So I think the best probably is, is enjoy the, the, the next few days and mm. we take what we can get. From, and and, and if, if that low pressure does come up as well, Peter, there's a few signals that it might be a short bit of a blip and we might see the high rebuild back over us again in yeah. the longer term. This so. is a bit of the parking, the Azores, as, as you call it. This is when something like this gets to sit and park and, and just rest itself with us for a while. We can get a week or two or we can get three weeks in an exceptional period and it's only over the next week or so you'll be able to see how it's behaving. Isn't that right? That's it, exactly, yeah. So you have this, what we call a blocking high, which is, does exactly what it says in the team, that blocks out all the other weather systems. So it blocks out the, the low systems coming and the jet stream shifts north of us and, and basically we have this anticyclone of high pressure just sitting over us and, and it's just how strong that can get and how, how, how resilient it becomes to low pressure systems. And sometimes it can get a little nudge and then it can move back in again. So it might get a little bit of a nudge later next week but it could it could rebuild and, and who knows we, we could we could get a couple of weeks out of it which would be which the, would be wonderful but we'll take what we can get for now at least Alan yeah exactly enjoy the next four or five days but do be careful the UV levels obviously this time of the year are very very high so even when it's cloudy the sunburn index is very high yeah. um, so do, 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 do take care out there but it is going to get warm do you know what I'm so lucky I'm finishing up this weekend for my holidays so I'm going to have the weather for the first week at least <laughs> Good man, good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> Alan, good to talk to you, as always. Alan O'Reilly of Carlow Weather. Tis, tis a coming. It'll be here by this evening. It'll be sat on us Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, probably Tuesday. By Wednesday, we'll know what it's doing after that. And I'm sure Fiona will keep you updated with Alan and our other weather contributors next week. But summer is about to land with a vengeance this weekend. 185715. Nine nine six, mind you. I just mentioned holidays. I'll be at home. I'll be on, on the island of Ireland, Ireland, for the next fortnight, up and down around the country. I'm looking forward to it. Really looking forward. A bit, a bit of weather would be great to have with it as well. But this guy says, "Morning. I'm heading to Crete in two weeks for eleven nights, five star on the beach, including flights for two thousand three hundred. Shove the staycationing. Well, I hope you'll be safe out there." I really do hope you'll be safe out there. And please don't bring anything back that we don't want. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. <laughs> Just goes to show, sometimes I do need to be educated a bit on this program. A collie, I, I had a collie on a lead one time. I used to give him dog food of a morning. No, no, a collie is old Cork slang for a caretaker. Oh, right. Uh, tell PJ, the collie in Fitzgerald's Park was the security guard. 
he'd hunt you if you stayed on the swings too long. Or if he saw people kissing, he'd move them on. I see. John Quilligan says a collie is cork slang for a caretaker. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know that. I really didn't know that. Uh, 1850-715-996. Yeah, on the COVID pass, this came up yesterday and it's all over social media and despite being told not to do it, people are still doing it. Do not laminate the paper pass that comes in the post or the paper pass that you print off the computer. Do not laminate that because there's a danger it won't be scannable if you do. Okay, so if you, you might think it's grand to keep it, it'll be great to be safe, to be in bag. Perfect. Don't laminate it because some of the QR readers that are being used won't read it properly. So you could end up with problems. Just fold it up nicely and put it into your wallet or your bag or whatever and just keep it safe. You can also, of course, put it on your phone into the wallet app on your phone. The ones that come in the post is a little bit more complicated than the ones that come by email. You can kind of download them straight to your your phone. But the posted ones, you, you need to get an app. There's one called pass to you or pass for wallet There's a couple of them. And you, you literally scan the QR code into this and you can type all the information into the app. It'll make a pass for you with the QR code and then you store that in your phone wallet. I haven't got mine yesterday. The young fella got his yesterday by post and I was able to do that last evening. I was able to make up his pass, his his vaccine pass on one of those apps and I just made it and stored it in my phone. Obviously, I passed it on to his phone and all of that. Uh, but if you get the printed ones, you can. It's, it's, it's not explained how to do it, but you can actually do it and keep it on your phone. But whatever you do, don't, don't laminate it. Hi PJ, I'm unsure what to do. My friend wants me to go to her mobile home for the weekend. She won't get a vaccine. I'm fully vaccinated. Any advice? Oh, far be it for me to give you advice of that nature. If she won't get a vaccine and you're fully vaccinated and it's just the two of you together and everything is properly taken care of and proper precautions... I'm not going to give advice. It would be wrong of me to give advice. I have my thoughts, but I'm not going to give advice. Sorry about that. It would be wrong of me and irresponsible of me to give anybody advice like that. Hello, Opinion Line. I work in a hospital where in the past week alone, there have been a few incidents of people coming in, not wearing a mask because they don't want to, not because they can't, or not sanitizing hands and then touching everything in the shop. And I know some people can't use shop sanitizers but the amount of people going into hospitals and shops and not using them, it's way too much. And they are all part of the problem. Do you know what's another part of the problem? And I will, anywhere I go in, I see a, a sanitizer bottle, squish, just a squirt. My hands are fairly resilient to it. I haven't been sore from it. I, I, and the stronger it is, I don't mind it at all. But what I notice now is that some of the automatic dispensers, I hate those automatic dispensers. Some of them are, they're mean like. You'd swear it was the last tube of sanitizer left in Ireland. A little drip. It wouldn't wet the tip of your finger, let alone spread around your two hands. Did you ever see those ones? Mean isn't the word like. I mean, okay, this time last year, it was hard to get. Sure, now tis, there's warehouses full of the stuff. Use it. Use plenty of it. And you're right. Go in. Use it every chance you, every chance you get. Use sanitizer. 1850. 715996. Now, there has been a call 
uh, by the Labour Party to change the law around gambling ads, to ban ads for online gambling. We've talked about gambling on this programme many, many times. We've talked about Gamblers Anonymous, which holds an open meeting every month there in Grattan Street. They have an open meeting for anyone to come along and see what, what it's all about. But the Labour Party has introduced a bill that would ban gambling ads. And effectively, they see it as being the only way to stop people getting reeled in. Because people get reeled into gambling and they end up in trouble before they even know they're in trouble. They're in trouble. Dennis, you were impressed also, not just by this legislation, but by comments made by the President. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. You yeah. were impressed by the President in particular. Um, well, first of all, can I just say this GA don't have any opinions on any outside uh, things, so this would be an opinion, this would be my own personal opinion, but I think I heard him on the news and I, thought I heard I felt that he spoke well. And um, I think personally he brought attention to an area that is it, it does need to be looked at because I think that um, I think people can be very vulnerable with with advertisements personally. Could so you get a bit closer to your phone, Dennis, for me, if you would? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm That's great. I took, I took your phone speaker there. I suppose. What is your own story? My own story is was I was gambling for in around ten years, and I suppose nine years of that would have been online. Uh, the very at the very start, I didn't have access to it online first year, but I found as soon as I went online, it completely just took over my life. And for the last five, five and a half years of my gambling, it was everywhere. It was from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed, eating my dinner, driving to work, being at work, being around people. I was just addicted to the phone, addicted to... And it was even for me back then, I didn't need the advertisements to promote it for me because I was knee-deep in the middle of it all. Tell, um, tell me how it started. First, Your first venture into gambling. I suppose you thought it was a harmless flood. Yeah, it started off really as just kind of like um, a bit of, you know, uh, going into bookies once, twice a week and picking up the coupons and go home then and the excitement of, you know, filling out the coupon, checking the tables and all that kind of stuff and just doing all the, the mind prep around it. Mm. So even at the very start, my daughter would be betting three to five times a week. And what was well, it, horses or football or what? Would have been soccer at the start. Soccer, Premier, okay. League, Premier League, weekend bets, midweek bets, that kind of stuff. But right. it was only really for the first year, it was only soccer. There was always the thrill of, you know, going and, you know, and you know doing my bit of prep, you know, seeing, checking teams, places and league tables and all that kind of stuff. And just... You know, trying to pick out and getting the newspapers then and, you know, looking at, you know, people's tips and all that kind of stuff. But after the first year then, I bought, I bought myself a smartphone and uh, I felt it'd be easier to do it online because I always had fear of people seeing me. I suppose my pride as well, I didn't want people to see me coming in out mm. of bookies, you know, and I wanted to keep myself to my... And were you spending much? Yeah. At the very start, it would have been small amounts. I suppose the very start would have been... 20, 30 euro uh, a week, which I suppose for anyone that's a lot of money, but compared to what it was towards the end, you know, you know, um, but after the first year, it was just like, when I got the smartphone, I'd be putting in 
uh, be allowed some money maybe of like 20, 30 euro into my account. Then as you got more prevalent, it was 40, 50, 60. Then you're putting in multiples of 100, you know. And, and how and quickly with, did you go from, like you said, the 30 quid a week, which, you know, you could probably afford at the time to, that's scary, putting in multiples of 100. How, how quickly did that happen? I'd say within, I'd say within the first, within two years of it, because it got to the stage where it, the fun had stopped. You know, and I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And then I was like, "I'm losing money here, but I can still, I can still, I can still get it back. I can still catch, catch up to it." You know, I always thought that I'd always get the dream world. I always thought I'd get that big win that would make up for all the losses. You know, yeah. and, so I kept chasing that. And the compulsive gambler, it's in our DNA. We're always going to chase. We're always going to chase it. We could win, and we could win. Sorry, I'd say, when I say we, I should be saying me. I could go in and I could win. You know, this is just a hypothetical situation. If I won 5,000 tomorrow, yeah. I'd gamble that 5,000 tomorrow and I'd gamble more because I'd, I'd gamble what I'd win. But then I'd gamble to catch, to catch up on the stuff that I lost. So, it, it, so you'd have, say... And this is the the mind, I guess, of the compulsive gambler. So, so you have, you know, and I'm just plucking figures out of the air here. So you yeah. know that you're, we'll say, two grand in debt. Yeah. And and you win fifteen hundred mm-hmm. instead of and you know, I think you know, do you, that the fifteen hundred should go off the debt? You yeah. re-gamble to see can you double it? Is that right? Yeah, and you have no way of stopping yourself. No, because my mind, the way my my my, my the way my mind works is, I've that two thousand that I've lost. I know I've lost it, but in that moment, that's not in my mind. What's in my mind now is what I can do with this one fifteen hundred that I've I've just won there. Like you know, it took me only half an hour to win that. In another half an hour or an hour, whatever it is, you know, I double it, and it's all, it's just it's. And how would you feel then when, because the 1500 is gone, how would you feel then? Oh, absolutely disgusted and hate myself. You know, angry towards myself, angry with everybody around me, angry with life, angry with the person that's in front of me in the car and he's cut me off with the person that's just everybody around me is just, you know, angry with everybody, but more so angry with myself and hating and despising the person that I was because every time I lost money I was like I'm never going to do it again but I always went and did it again and the worst thing about it was it was always a hidden thing for me you know people never knew about it so even though I had all this anger and resentment and hate towards me and everybody around me I still was you know going to work and smiling on my face and I was a functioning um I was a functioning gambler all my life up until the very end when function. How bad did it get, Dennis? Didn't want to be around anymore. You know, I wanted to end my life. My self care towards the end had gone totally given up with and I given up on life around me. But I was still to as much as I could I was still getting up in the morning. Do me me a favour, Dennis, will you? I'm going to need to take a quick commercial break so we can possibly clean up that line a little bit because it's gone a bit grotty on us and I want to talk you through. I want you to let people hear how bad this can get um, because this is a very interesting conversation. I wanted to continue. I'll just pop you back into Fergal there as we 
clean up that line maybe a little bit. And we'll come back in a couple of minutes. I'm talking to Dennis, uh, who's welcoming the idea that we would ban the gambling ads from television and radio and wherever I'm assuming they are. Uh, and he's telling us about his life with, with gambling addiction. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. So I'm talking to Dennis, who's welcoming a proposal by the Labour Party to ban uh, gambling ads. But Dennis is telling me his story of life as a compulsive gambler, how it started out small, uh, 20, 30 quid a week on the football, and it got to a point where he was spending multiples of hundreds of euro and couldn't control the fact that he was ploughing every penny he had and a lot of what he didn't back into his gambling and it just got worse and worse and worse. So, Dennis, thanks for waiting there for me. You were about to tell me just how bad it got. Yeah. Um, can you hear me better there? I can, no, thanks. I can. Because at times the coverage here can, can be a bit miss. It just completely, towards the end of it, the last couple of years, it completely took over my whole life. You know, to the point where I was still as much as possible functioning, uh, functional in terms of living life, but there was no life. You know, from the moment I woke up in the morning to go into bed at night, I had to have my phone. I had to have my phone because all my gambling from that up from the from year from the first year onwards was online, and it and and. That fed into all the anger and the hate that I had for myself. But because of all those feelings, and I didn't know what to do with them or how to express them, I just wanted to escape from it. Mm. And my best way of escaping was to buy, would have been my best friend at that time, which was my phone, because, you know, towards, you know I pushed everybody away. I pushed my family away. I was had your family, I was brought to ask, yeah. I had, yeah. I had family and I... I brothers and sisters and parents and I pushed them all away. I wasn't picking up the phone to them, I wasn't going visiting them, anything like that. I had been in a relationship and you know, and that was severely damaged through my gambling as well. And, and did they but, notice, did the family notice that something wasn't right with you? They noticed that I was withdrawn. You know, I wasn't I wasn't picking up the phone like I used to, I wasn't checking in with them and stuff. And there wasn't I wasn't being a brother, I wasn't being a son. You know, um, they'd see me at Christmas time. They'd see me at, you know, at the times where I had to kind of turn up for things, you know, and a lot of times I didn't turn up for things. But, you know, you know, but they'd never, you know, there was never the phone call on a Sunday or there was never really given a call in the week, you know. And mm. this went on, this went on for about, I suppose, a year and a half where there was very little contact. And you know the way, and I've spoken to people addicted to alcohol or to drugs or to both, spoken to people who would keep a, a can of beer hidden in the kitchen so that they'd have their first drink when yeah. they were five minutes out of bed. Like, you'd get out of bed and you'd pick up the phone. When would you have your first your your first plunge into the gambling? In the morning time? Oh, as soon as my eyes opened. As soon as, it was my first thought. It was always, wake up, where's my phone? And the first thing I do, because even before going to bed at night, I put on my bets. There'd be there'd be some game on somewhere in the night time. I cycled on a couple of bets during the night. So my first thought when I woke up was, I need to see how my bets got on. And if there was money in the account, brilliant. I'd gamble straight away. If there wasn't, the thing about online is it's linked to your bank account. You can link it to a credit card. You can link it to whatever you want. 
you know, so I was constantly just transferring money over. Mm. And that's that's the dangerous side of it. You know, it's different if I'm going into the bookies and putting taking 100 euro out of my pocket, 200 euro, 300, whatever it is, and I'm physically handing over that money, I can see what I'm doing. But when you're online, when you're transferring it over, it's click, it's, it's click of a button. Yeah. It's just, it's like Monopoly. And that's how it felt. You know, it just felt like it was, I knew it was my own money. I knew it was losing my own money. But it didn't feel, because I wasn't physically handing it over. And that's the scary, that's that's, yes. the, that's one of the scariest side of the online side of it. Yeah. That you can just get caught in that. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A trap of just click transfer, click transfer. I suppose and when, when you think about it, Dennis, you know, those of us who who buy bits and pieces online, you know, you're you're spending money and you're tapping on the phone and you've spent more money than you wanted to before you before you know where you are. I mean, there you are compulsively addicted to, to, to betting. You just you knew it was your money, you didn't care. You kept how much debt did you rock up? Um, I won't talk amounts, no, but it was well into the thousands. Um, um, because I'm still making remunerations okay. to people, so I, I, I won't. Okay, That's I won't okay. give it. It's but as well into the thousands. Well into the thousands. And, and was there a point? Was there a turning point? Their turning point for me was above in, um, above in Dublin. I, I just. I, I ran away from home. I just couldn't deal with life, couldn't deal with anything at, at that point, and I just needed to escape. And for me, I wasn't coming back in my own mind. I was going to find some way of ending it all. Mm. And um, I couldn't, you know, um, came to a point where I, uh, one particular night I was like, look, either tonight I do it or I don't. And I couldn't. And I made a phone call then the following day to my father and said, look, I need help. And at that point, they knew. They had found, you know, I, my car parked up, they found my car, they found bet slips, on uh, online bet slips and, and different things. Mm. And, um, and but oh, it was only until the point of me coming back and explaining what happened that they knew the extent of it. Um, and, and when and, you picked up the phone to your dad and said, I need help, was that the hardest phone call you'd ever oh, made? Ah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I've because I'm 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 kind of a person that um, I don't like to ask for help. I've never liked to ask for help. I'm better at it today now. You know, when I wake up in the morning today, I know that I need help with getting through my day. I need a, I need members. I need a program. I need supports. I need a higher power. I need. I've all these things in my life today that I didn't have before, and I know that I need all of these things today. And did and you more. go into Gamblers but, Anonymous? But uh, yeah, well, I went to, first of all, I I went into treatment, and it was inside in treatment that I was introduced. To, I was introduced to gambler, the gamblers and analysts meetings, you know, and uh, when you know, and following on from my treatment, then I got more involved with the gamblers and analysts. I got myself a sponsor. I was going to more and more regular meetings, 
And, you know, I just found when I was inside meetings that I was with people that didn't judge me. And that's a big thing for me. I always felt judged by the world, you know. Uh, and it was only always ever myself judging me. Yeah. But I, this is one room of people that I could walk into and say whatever was going on in my mind. And you'll never shock. You'll never shock a gambler. You'll never shock somebody that's an addict of any sort because we've all, we've all got our own things we've done in the past and we've all heard, you know, it, 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 you know, so you know that going into the room or whatever is going on for you that day, you're going to get understanding, you're going to get people to listen to you and people just, yeah. Uh, I remember talking to a fellow one time about, uh, he was in Alcoholics Anonymous for years and he'd been sponsored to many, many people. But he, he used to say to, I, I said, what do you say to someone when they come to you for the first time? And he said, well, there's nothing you can tell me anything because I've heard it all and done most of it. Yeah, same, same as that. Yeah, and it, and it, it's it's I think it's just how, such, how empowering uh, is that for you, Dennis? When someone says that something like that, Dennis, you can tell me anything because I've heard it all and done most of it. Oh, it's incredible, you know. And even just even just for myself, like I've been a sponsor now for the last number of years, and you know, I found out yesterday I was. I was coming on the call this morning so I spoke to my sponsor last night around it, and I spoke to my sponsor this morning quickly about it as well and I want to show the members as well because for me today to have that, that that circle of support in my life that if there's something that I need to ask a question about I can ring someone and you know I, I never get told what to do I'd always get like an opinion or I'd always get looked well just a, a suggestion or advice you know and I'm more open to listening to it today because I know if I don't listen to advice today from members and from through my program, I'd be back gambling again mm. because my 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 head wants me to gamble. My head still does. Oh, it, it, it always will. I'm like, a compulsive when gambler. Did you, when did you last gamble? So, the 22nd of September 2017. Um, and when it, did you it, last want to? The, I, I, I haven't wanted to, but the thoughts would always be in your head, right. you know, because it's in my DNA. I'm a so you're coming up gambler. for four years now. Yeah. Well but done. Well done, you. Thank, thank you, BJ. But it, the thoughts are always going to be there, and I, I, I and what, and I, this is my own personal opinion again, because G don't have any opinions on, uh, on any of these issues. But personally, for me, if I was somebody today now that was coming into Gamblers Anonymous from my very first meeting, I think I'd struggle more because simply because of the fact that there's so much more advertising online about it. There's so much. You're sitting down at TV at night and you see it's uh, from Betway, you see, you know, casino, free spins yes, with yes. this one and, and all that kind of stuff. And again, personally, it is my own opinion. You've got influential sports personalities, um, you know, uh, sponsoring um, casino, uh, con- con- endorsing them, yeah, book- yeah, bookmakers, and all that, kind of- and all that just adds to, I suppose, the, the it makes yeah. it makes it look it makes gambling look attractive, it makes yeah. it look fun, it makes it look, but it, the danger I can't emphasize enough the dangers of online gambling. You like know, I must say there, I, I I love to watch a bit of sport and. I would notice now that you pointed out, like, particularly a major golf tournament or something like that, every five minutes, 
it's 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 betting of some kind. And for me, who has little or no interest in it, yeah. it's annoying. It must be agonising. I mean, do you can you even watch sport now, then? PJ, I'm I'm a Newcastle supporter. I've been a Newcastle supporter since the 1990s. You poor old devil. You have more problems in the world <laughs> than just gambling. Go on. <laughs> but but since I came into recovery, I have not watched the soccer match. I've not watched. If the sports news comes on the radio, I switch it off. I don't get the newspapers. I, I you know I don't put myself in. You know the, I know the Euros were on the last couple of weeks. I didn't watch any of the matches. Mm-hmm. I'd love I'd love to sit down and watch one of these matches, but I can't. Because I know as soon as I sit down, my head's going to kick in. I you know, it's going, to be, it's going to be looking at maybe the first goal score, or the first corner, or the first penalty, or whatever. Because my mind is trained to think a certain way. It has been like that for the last number of years. Wow. And, you know, I just, I, there's no need for me to put myself in that dangerous environment. You know, I mean, my life today is so much different. You know, I'm in a relationship for the last number of years with a woman I absolutely love and adore Good. and respect. Good man. We have two... We have two Chihuahua dogs we love the ones of. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy in myself today. Good man. You know, I'm, I've got a career back in my life in, in the field that I, that I love. You know, I get up. And life still is challenging. There's challenges every day of the week. You know, my own challenges with what recovery brings and with life and all that kind of stuff. But I can manage it better today because, you know, I have support system. I have Gamblers Anonymous meetings, you know, I have a sponsor, I have a program. Mm-hmm. But what I, did, what, I did fi- what, what, what I did find could be challenging uh, uh, for people in early recovery as well, I suppose with the pandemic as well. You know, a lot of our face-to-face meetings were, were, were stopped for that period of time. Had to go online, yeah. Going online. And then you've got the dangers. You know, if I was, if I was starting off into recovery now, and I was going into my first couple of meetings and they're online on Zoom. That's the worst thing in the world for me because all my damage was done online. Do you allow I, yourself to have a smartphone now? No, I have, uh, I have a brick phone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, I'll never have a smartphone again. I don't want one. There's no need to have one, you know, because um, you know, it just caused me pain. You know, it's a great, it's a great tool if it's used the right way. You know, it's great for people, and there's so many people who live their lives in a healthy way using it. But I'm not that person. If yeah. I for you, it was the entrance to hell. Exactly, exactly. You know, and I'm happy enough to be able to. You know, the one thing I will miss about it is I've, I, I used to be on WhatsApp. We used to have family, we used to have family group yeah. back in the day on the WhatsApp, and I, and I missed that side of it. Yeah, but. That's only a small thing. You know, I can pick up the phone today and I, and I can ring my family. You know, I'm not, when my phone rings today, I'm not avoiding it or I'm not putting it on silent or I'm not hiding from it in case wondering why they're ringing me, what do they want? I'm happy to receive a call today. Your life has changed so much. But when I'm gambling, when I'm gambling online, I'm just avoiding the whole world. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm avoiding the post, I'm avoiding, avoiding everything. And, um, and the more I'm avoiding the world, the more I'm escaping into the online side of it, you know, and I'm just so grateful and glad today that I began my recovery a couple of years ago as I did, and I'm not starting it today because I feel personally, if I was starting my recovery today, I'd struggle more because there is, because of the online side, because of Zoom, because if you're doing the meeting, now our face-to-face meetings are back up and running, thank God, 
but there's still the option of using Zoom meetings for people in different, uh, with, with different meetings online. And I'd struggle with that because, um, you know, whereas uh, today I know I've a bit more, I have a couple of days uh, knowledge before me and I've, you know, and I, you know, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm, I feel more confident going on to Zoom and knowing this. Something else before I let you go, and I wonder, would you agree with this? We've talked on this program about many forms of addiction, and I'm very proud to say that people feel free to come here and talk about their addiction, and we, that means a lot to us as a team. And I thank all of them, and I thank you. But one thing that has come up time and time again is that gambling is the silent addiction because there is no hangover. You don't look like death warmed up. You don't look sick to people. You're carrying this burden around, and for a lot of the time, it's invisible, and that makes it even more insidious. Yeah, a do lot you agree people, with that? I do. Uh, a lot of people say that gambling, uh, uh, gambling is the highest rate of suicide of all, of all the, um, of all the addictions, and I'd agree with it because it's the one thing you can keep hitting for so long. You can only drink so much, you can only drug so much, and you'll see that in the person. You will. You'll see them either falling around the place or they're whatever. With gambling, you just you become just such a master of lying and manipulating and just hiding, hiding from you know your partner, hiding from your family, hiding from the world. But it's the more you hide, the more dangerous it is. Because the more you hide, the more I hate, the less I wanted to be in the world, and the more I reverted into the online side of it. Because I still felt towards the end. I'll get that big win and it'll make all the hurt that have caused people, you know, it'll, it'll make up for it all. It never would. It never would. It, the, the win was never going to happen. But my mind always told me it would. And I just think it, it absolutely cripples you on the inside. It does. I can't see how much it does. Like, you know, I, I would have always thought it was like a kind, caring, gentle, helpful person. But when I'm gambling, I'm not. I'm a lying, stealing, cheating, manipulating all, any word you can put on top of that, that's me when I gamble, you know. And, and then it's just, and once you fall into that trap, it's very, very hard to get out of it. Unless you've, unless, because the longer you're in it, the longer I was in it, I just felt that I lost myself more, I lost my voice, I lost, I lost me. Well, and well you found only, yourself again, and, and I'm delighted for you that you have. How much does, finally... How much does it mean? Put it into words. For someone who may be listening to us right now, Dennis, who is where you were four years ago, who has a loved one who is where you were or they think they were where, how much does it mean to you to not have to hide anymore? Oh, it means the world. And can I just say, first of all, as well, just if people are listening, like it does affect families as much as the person that's, you know, so there's... And there is support out there for families as well, be it parents, be it partners, be it brothers, sisters. There's support out there for everyone, you know, because it, it is a family illness and it affects everybody in some way. It just means the world to me to be able to wake. I wake up in the morning now and, um, you know, and uh, I wake up and I'm like, oh, Monday, Tuesday. And I'm just thinking, oh, what time, you know, and I'm, I can, I wake up with just this calmness in my mind of just, What's happening today? I'm working or I'm off, and you know I can just make a, I can make a plan to live for that day. Yes. Be it go for a walk, go to work, go shopping, do whatever. 
spend time with my partner, whatever. When I was gambling, I didn't have that. It was just, it was Groundhog Day. I was just waking up. When I, when I was gambling, the only peace in my mind I had was those couple of seconds when you're waking up in the morning before you're kind of, before you kind of come to and you're like, you're kind of coming, waking up out of your sleep and those couple of seconds. But as soon as I woke up into the world, straight away, clicked in. It was like a button. Pressed the button and my mind was gone for the day. Um, and just not to have that that mind stress going on every day, every moment, you know, um, to be able to just, you know, go for a walk in peace, answer the door in peace, pick up the phone in peace. Um, and, you know, and it's out there for everybody. The hardest thing I ever had to do was ask for help. It nearly killed me to ask for help. Thankfully it didn't, but in early days. And it's the hardest thing you'll ever have to do, but it's the one thing that'll give you the most peace when you do, because, wherever whichever part of the country you're in whatever meeting you go to be it online zoom or be it into face-to-face meeting if you walk into one of the rooms and ask for help you're going to get people coming over to you offering help you'll never be a person that will judge you know i've gone to meetings in different parts of the country i've gone on to zoom meetings all you know all over the world it's with zoom and um any meeting i've gone on to all i've ever got is just support and you know understanding and you just straight away you just know that these people understand they won't judge and it's just it's just great being part of a fellowship like that that knows that um all we want is the best for each other you know um yeah so dennis i'm going to i'm going to leave it there and i'm going to wish you every success in your continued recovery and thank you for your openness and your honesty with us today you've been fantastic Thank you, BJ. God bless. Cheers. That's Dennis. If you would like any kind of support after hearing that for you or for a loved one, uh, there's a website, gamblersanonymous.ie. There is a phone number. Uh, always someone at this number. They will come back to you. It's 087-285-9552. 87 285 Somebody will come back to you. You can email info at gamblersanonymous.ie or indeed they have an office on Quaker House uh, Capwell, Summerhill South near Turner's Cross and they're open Mondays at half eight, Tuesdays at half eight and Sundays at half eight if you just want to go and join a meeting. Gamblersanonymous.ie and uh, thank you so much to Dennis, 1857-15996. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. The Summertime Concert Series is back at Triscoll with performances from 13 musicians over six dates. Curated by cellist Aoife Burke, the series will feature a wide repertoire of jazz, classical and improvised music from contemporary Irish artists. These concerts will be at lunchtime on Saturday starting from Saturday, July 7th. 17th. Access all areas. Hermitage Green have announced the long-awaited return to Cork for a show taking place at the Opera House on Thursday, October 21st. The band have also announced a brand new album set for a September release with tickets available now from CorkOperaHouse.ie. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. We talked on Monday, it was Monday I think, about the Life Centre 
and the problem there at the moment with the funding that they got and the teaching places that they were allocated, which we talked about, Don O'Leary was here with me earlier in the week saying now that's kind of gone pear-shaped because they're being told who they can hire and the whole thing is very much uh, on a knife edge again with the Life, Life Centre, way too familiar with being on and knife edge. A petition now has been launched online to draw attention to this, to the Minister, Norma Foley, and get the whole thing properly sorted out and properly funded. And it means an awful lot to so many people, including Sharon. Sharon, you're a tutor at the Life Centre. Explain to listeners why this means so much. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Why is it so important? Well, the easiest way to explain it is a couple of years ago, UCC sent in some researchers to the Life Centre and they held a focus group with some of the staff. And they asked us, why are you here? Why do you show up? And we all more or less said the same thing. We're here because it's heart work. We're here because this makes our souls sing. The Life Centre isn't just an institution for education. It's a family. It's a community. And we love those young people. We show up because we love those young people. And it is a privilege and an honour to be there. And then they asked us, well, what decides the level of contribution that you make? Because most of us are volunteers. And again, the answer was, well, we also have lives and we have bills to pay and we have food to put on the table and a roof to put over people's heads. So we give what we can. And that's what volunteer work is. We are giving what we can to the Life Centre, but we get a lot out of it as well. And then they asked us, but what if you got paid? And the unanimous feeling in the room was, if we could get a living wage to show up in the Life Centre, and we're just talking about a living wage, to show up in the Life Centre, we'd all go full-time immediately. Mm. Because we get so much more out of it than just if we were to get paid. Even as volunteers, we still get a huge amount out of it. And the idea that the funding proposal that's in front of the Life Centre at the moment, and as Don was saying, there are people who are in the Life Centre 10 and 12 years. I'm a newbie. I'm only there four years. But we, we go there because we've given our hearts and our souls to these young people, to this community, to this family. And the idea that somebody could say, of course you can have the funding you need, but we'll decide who gets paid for it, is utterly, utterly disrespectful to the students, to their families, and to the staff who have handed over their hearts to these young people. And Donna's right, there are people in the Life Centre who would be utterly utterly disillusioned by the fact that somebody could just walk into a job there who has no connection with the children, no connection with their families, no experience in teaching young people. Mm. And that we would just be there saying, oh yeah, thanks for your service, where you go now? It, and the fact is, we probably still show up because we do it for reasons other than money. Yeah. But that's not what the Life Centre needs. The Life Centre needs us. It needs what we do, it needs what we bring, it needs mostly the connection that we have with these young people. This isn't because just a it's school. so much more than teaching. No, PJ, it's it's a home, it's a family. And we teach them just much more than academics. What I teach in there, apart from French, is what's come to be known as stagecraft, which is oh drama and speaking and communications and life skills and it's so much more than them learning. 
they learn loads, but they they get heard, they get seen, they get to learn how to use their voice. They get to know that no matter what's in their head, it can come out of their mouth and nobody's going to judge them. Nobody's going to shut them down. Nobody's going to shut them up. And everything in the Life Centre is like that. We meet these young people where they're at and we make heart connections with them. And even the leaders are students that we just put through our hands in the last couple of months. We're going to be connected to those kids long after they're gone out of our system. It's so much more than a place they learn. And the people who teach in there are so much more than teachers. And to think that the Department of Education have just come along and say, uh, yeah, that's all grand and well, but, you know, we'll decide who goes in there now. That's just, it's just wrong. I leave it there with you because I, I don't think I need to say any more but you are, you're all broken hearted there is support out there, change.org is where the petition is and as I've said to Don, privately and on air, you'll always have a friend and this radio station Thank you Peter The lines are live and we're ready to talk Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, quick reminder to you, if you're in West Cork this weekend, the Broomhill Vintage Club will host the Denjo Deneen Memorial Vintage Classic Car Run. I've seen this. It's bonkers, but it's bonkers in the best possible way. And the weather in West Cork this weekend will be scorchio. What a fantastic opportunity to get out and see it and enjoy uh, the beautiful West Cork as you celebrate the Denjo Deneen, a great name, the Denjo Deneen Memorial Vintage Car Run. And it's in aid of West Cork Rapid Response, of course, uh, headed up by a friend of the show, Dr. Jason Vandeveld. Morning, Jason. It takes place at the Abolog GA grounds in Coachford. Registration will open at 11. Entry is by donation. Leaves Coachford at 12. Heading on a route down into West Cork. Vintage and classic cars and motorcycles are welcome. Uh, all the contact details are online. The Broomhill Vintage Club hosting. I have to say it again. I love it. The Denjo Deneen Memorial Vintage Classic Carbon. I wonder who Denjo Deneen was. With a name like Denjo Deneen. I wonder who Denjo Deneen was. That'll be a great event. I've seen I was down there. I, I presume it was this one. I was down in West Cork one weekend a couple of years ago. Beautiful summer's weekend. Just went down to Glendora or whatever. And, and as there they were on the roads. It's bonkers. But it's bonkers in a wonderful way. 1850-715-996. A few other bits and pieces held over on the Grand Parade and the development announced by the Chief Executive of Cork City Council. Uh, they couldn't look after what was there, but some fella then had a trip to Frankfurt. Now this can be done. Uh, the figures are very large for what will end up as a drinker's paradise and in the end probably be in very poor condition. Dinny says, I hope you don't buy into that bull, PJ, about the Grand Parade. They're now three years putting up a water tap on top of the wall at St. Catherine's Cemetery. But as usual, it won't be done until it's passed by about 40 engineers. Yeah, that seems to be... Anyway, look, I don't know, I like it. I'd like to think it's a really positive development and it'll look great and it'll be great. But people are, I guess, sceptical and cynical 
and it's hard to blame them sometimes. But look, will we, we, we'll we give it a chance at least and see what they come up with, which might be a good approach now and again. 185715996. There is a story bigger than COVID 19. And now that COVID 19 seems to be under control, hope I'm not speaking too soon, but now that COVID 19 appears to be under control and we're getting there with vaccination, and while the numbers are worrying again, we're getting there with vaccination, and hopefully by year's end, we'll be getting back to to something like where we were or something approaching where we were Christmas 2019 before any of this horrible stuff was dropped on top of us. But the problem that keeps coming back, it's bigger than COVID, it was bigger before it, it's bigger after it, is housing. And I'm reading a story in The Examiner uh, which says housing shortages will hamper future business investment. Uh, that's an interesting one because we haven't got enough housing going on, enough building going on, we'll find it difficult to attract business. And, of course, business brings jobs. Conor Healy is Chief Executive of Cork Chamber. Conor, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Very well, sir. How do the two tie in? How does the shortage of housing affect business investment in our city? Well, I think it's really important, PJ, that we have every aspect of, of infrastructure and every every element that business requires to, to be successful in place. And, and one of the challenges there at the moment uh, is a lack of suitable and particularly affordable accommodation, uh, particularly across our city centre. And I think, look, it's well recognised that we have a housing major housing challenge, housing crisis uh, indeed. But the conversation to date has been pretty much solely focused on the, the needs uh, and the needs that have to be met in terms of social and affordable housing. But there has been none or very little conversation in terms of the need to ensure we have private sector development uh, of apartments in particular in our city centre to meet the needs uh, of businesses, but to meet the needs of those who wish to live and work in our city centre. Yeah. Because obviously if people, when they come to Cork to work, they need a place to live. Absolutely. And if you look at, you know, Cork Docklands as an example, where there are very significant plans for development, and those plans have two primary pillars. One is around job creation, and the the plans are to have uh, about 29,000 or so people working in in the Docklands over the next uh, 20 years or so. But the other, and and there's progress being made. We all see the, the fantastic new office developments, the new investments and new jobs announced over the last number of years. And I think that's set to continue, and it's absolutely welcome. But the second pillar of that Docklands plan is, is around people living in the Docklands. And the plans are to have about 25,000 people living in that area again over the, that same period of time. And for that to happen, you know, we need to see development taking place. You know, while there's some talk of, of, of plans in terms of uh, the Land Development Agency working with some public sites and some other activities taking place, there's absolutely no activity uh, with regard to private sector development. And in fact, the situation is, is getting worse yeah. as time moves on and as costs, as costs go up. And, and the reality of it is, while we have planning permissions uh, in Cork City Centre for apartment developments of scale, we have no activity. And it's not, it's not just Cork. This is an issue impacting uh, across all of the cities and indeed including Dublin as well, uh, apart from some, some particular as- or areas within, within Dublin. And you know, there's been something like 25,000 
planning approvals for, for apartment units uh, across the country in the last uh, number of years, mm. uh, with less than 3,000 of those coming to fruition. So there's clearly a problem, and, and the problem is around the viability uh, of apartment development um, for, for, for developers, and in, in, uh, in, in tandem with that, where, de- where apartments might get developed, that they would be completely unaffordable yeah. for the end user in terms of, of rental or, or purchase if they were mm. for purchase. So this has been going on, PJ, for, for quite a while. We, we, uh, yesterday we launched a, a report uh, produced for ourselves and the Construction Industry Federation uh, in the southern region uh, by, by KPMG, which was making you know recommendations that can we feel can alleviate the situation. But we also produced a report and highlighted this issue back in 2019 uh, and called on government to take action that we could see what was coming down the line in terms of the challenges uh, of apartment around apartment development Um, and again we're we're calling for government to to take action and and Peter where this will have a significant impact is that you know the the national planning framework and Ireland 2040 which um, your listeners will be familiar with that that's built upon the principle of, of growing our cities, growing our urban centres and development taking place in city centre brownfield locations such as Cork Dockland. And unless government takes action on this, we will not see that level of development uh, in our city centre. We may well see continued development uh, of offices, but we will not see yeah. the, the living environment in the community that mm. we all want to see in the Cork Dockland and, and they need to coexist. I think that's been... Absolutely. We've known that for every report after report, the, the, the offices are full of reports that say they need to coexist. Just on, on another note, Connor, we've had some excellent news this morning on, on two fronts. Uh, one is the investment in the Grand Parade and, and the redesign. The drawings are f- and the models look, look fantastic. How, how important is it to redevelop these uh, public realms, as they call them? Oh, it's really important, um, PJ. And I, I think what's what's very significant in terms of the Grand Parade quarter is, is the funding is in is in place. Yeah, you know, government a number of weeks ago announced, um, along with significant funding for uh, investment in infrastructure in Cork Docklands, which I think was about 353 million to enable uh, Docklands development, bridges and, and other infrastructure. But alongside that, there was about 46 million or so for that Grand Parade quarter development, uh, which in addition to funding directly from Cork City Council, paved the way for you know, what I think is a really exciting uh, development. You know, looking at the plans myself, I, I think there's a, a massive opportunity there to transform that you know, really core element of, of Cork City Centre, you know, develop the public realm, the infrastructure, new public library, the Bishop Lucy Park redevelopment. I think it's a fantastic um, vote of confidence um, in, in the city. And I think if, if we can manage to move forward as well, and, and, I'm, and I'm confident that we can with the event centre, I think, you know, all of that combined can be transformative for Cork mm. City Centre. The event centre has been a long time coming, but look, Chief Executive Van Der is saying again this morning on the opinion line, look, it will come, it's just, we just, we'll, we'll get there, and we have to stick with it, I guess, sir. We will get there eventually. Uh, will I see you for a pint at the Elton John gig? Well, I hope so, PJ. It's certainly um, fantastic news this morning, and, uh, you know, I, again, I think it's highlighting, you know, the the massive opportunity when we can get 
beyond COVID and get back to normal activity of of what Parky Creeve uh, can deliver as a as a, a an experience both for visitors and um, and Corkonians alike. So that's a really positive announcement. It's going to be a major boost for, for everybody, a major boost for business, obviously. Um, but again, brings brings great confidence. And you know, I think you know there are other concerts planned for next year. I think the Westside concerts have moved out. Uh, I, I think until until August. I and, think so. Yeah. 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 I'm sure you know there there'll be further announcements as well. And that's that's really fantastic. And it shows that you know if you can put in the the type of infrastructure, be it for sports sports events or for other forms of entertainment, you know, Cork is a very attractive location for those who are promoting those events. So yeah. I think it's a it's a major signal of confidence. Fabulous and, announcement. Uh, absolutely. Looking forward to being there in July next year. Indeed. DJ. All right, Connor. Good good to talk to you. That's Connor Healy, Chief Executive of Cork Chamber. 1850 Yeah, it's it's there's a great buzz around this morning, uh, online and and whatever, about that Elton John gig because we never really got to enjoy the potential of Parky Cueve as a as a concert venue. Okay, we had the Ed Sheeran gig when it opened up, uh, which I missed, by the way. I missed that. I'd love to see them. But I was at Rod Stewart there in 2019, and it was just a phenomenal night out. Just regardless of who's on stage, Parky Cueve is a brilliant concert venue. And to have Elton John coming now to reopen next summer would be brilliant. And of course, Westlife. Yes, I know. I'll be going. I will be going to Westlife. I will. My daughter would never forgive me if we don't go to Westlife. 1850-715-996. Just again on the investment announced. Look, we're trying to be positive about it here. We're hoping it'll be great. We're hoping it'll be a, like any modern European city. When I think of somewhere, a city I love, like Palma, and, and the way they develop their public realms and their public walkways there and they do things with parks and just facilities. It's great. And now we've got a, an opportunity to do something like that in Cork. A message comes in. They neglected the city for years. Now the government is falling apart. They decided they need to get the public on their side after the last election when the Cork people rejected Fine Gael and... In the fall. Uh, Mary Jane was at Elton's last farewell tour. I know, I think I was at his first farewell tour. He's been retiring since about 1990. But hey, listen, he's worth seeing. And Brian says, yeah, it's the Irish version. It's bye bye, see you, look, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye. All the stars on one show. Yo, what's up? It's your boy, KSI. Yo, what's good, Universe? It's 24K Golden. I'm Miley Cyrus. Hi, we're a picture of this. This is Medusa. The Hit Mix with Shane Bucks. Shane Bucks. On your radio, weeknights from 8. With Lucy's Nissan Charleville. Put a smile on your face with the all-new Duke. The Coupe crossover. LucyMotors.com. Corks 96FM. Uh, the houses in Kilmore Heights have come to a standstill. Why? It's just the message on my screen. I don't know is the answer. Uh, Ed Sheeran was amazing in Parky Cueve. I know. I heard. Uh, I didn't go. I had tickets and couldn't go and passed them on. And I regret it to this day. Because one thing about that boy, he can write a song. And I believe he gave a great gig. Or gave a great display at uh, Parky Cueve a couple of years ago. Where am I going? Moving around here all over. There's loads of stuff 
on all the different things we've been talking about, which is, of course, exactly what uh, the opinion line is about. 1850-715-996. I want to go to Goline Harbour Outdoor Activities and speak with Matt Mills about insurance. It's an ongoing problem. It's a worsening problem. We know that there's a new book of quantum being drawn up. We know that judges have said that insurance payouts need to come down, but still insurance uh, premiums are going up for uh, certain activities. Uh, Matt Mills, good morning to you. Oh, he's gone. He was on line one there, Fergal. I might well drag him back up for me if you can. Uh, but we, the cost of insuring his centre has gone up considerably. Right, let me go this time uh, to lovely Goalie. Matt, Matt Mills, good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Good. Tell me about your harbour outdoor activities down there. Yeah, well, um, I think the, the, the key issue is for me and for others in the industry is insurance. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a problem generally in Ireland, but for outdoor activity providers, we've been, um, we, we, for instance, have been unable to have insurance cover for about 18 months now. Um, our first insurer pulled out of the market, Leisure Insure, they insured a lot of providers and a lot of uh, crashes, etc., soft play uh, places as well. And then we had temporary insurance through being a, a package operator, so we had to package all our activities with something else. So we had to supply food or, or accommodation, something like that. And then they also pulled out of the market 18 months ago, and since then we've been left high and dry. And the issue is insurance reform is not going fast enough. And we're, you know, Ireland is being marketed as the adventure centre, the adventure playground for Europe, if you like. Yeah. But a lot, of, a lot of our providers are not able to, to open their doors. And there are much bigger people than me out there uh, who haven't, haven't been able to operate at all this summer. I mean, there is, there's a bit of a, a bit, bit of sunshine on the horizon in that the Irish Association of Adventure Tourism Companies, IAT, um, have formed a, a group scheme. We've been kind of forced into forming a group scheme. And we've now been told that that is going to be certainly opening this season, but there's not much of the season left. This is a group, so, a group scheme where you could all approach one advertiser. Exactly. Well, I'm sure, yeah. So there's 200 sorry, members. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, 200 members. About 2 million quid worth of business. But even with that amount of, of business, um, there were only two underwriters who were actually interested and one of them was, uh, I'm told, was uh, going to be prohibitively expensive, more than 20% of turnover. So we're down to one. But we're, I think, you know, we are going to have competitive insurance going forward and hopefully the costs will come down. But I, I, keep, I mean, interestingly, cycling is one of the hardest things to insure. Really? You can't get cover for cycling, um, which is a massive issue. I mean, straight bike hire is, it, it, it's, it's a good, profitable part of the business. It's a simple thing to do. The issue is, that the risk, cycling as a risk, is treated the same no matter what you're doing in the sense that if someone gets knocked off their bike at a crossroads in, in Cork, in, in Cork City, it affects my bike hire policy down in Goline on when we're, we're cycling oh, very quiet. really? Yep, yep. So is that, that just another that example of how crackers it is in this country trying to get insurance? Yes, it is. I mean, that's an example of why things are so expensive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be the same if someone was, you know, mountain biking down a very steep slope, and I had an accident there. It's it's affecting it's affecting insurance on quiet roads. So it's the, things like that need to change. Do you but have much problem with vexatious industry. claims as well, Matt? Do you have people trying it on? 
Well, you do, absolutely. But, you know, in a sense, you... I mean, I've been here 22 years and the, the, the compo culture wasn't here 20 years ago, was it? It's here because the awards have got ridiculously out of hand. And you can't blame the insurance companies for that. You can't blame the insurance companies for actually pulling out the market because they weren't able to... They didn't know what the award was going to be if, if someone fell down and twisted their ankle. There was no cap on it until recently. So that was down to, that's down to legislation, it's down to the government, it's down to the, the, the judiciary as well, really. Yeah. This change in the book of quantum is yeah. very important, and it's in effect now. In fact, already I, I, knew, I, I knew it would happen. There's someone trying to challenge it in the high court now already, but it's there, and it should, it should start to benefit businesses. Well, I think it is. I think we're already seeing a bit of a change in in what's happening in the court cases as well. I think there was a recent case, one of our members, or, or, or somebody associated with one of them, there was a guy who shot himself in the face with a paintball gun. And that, I think, went as far as the High Court, and it was thrown out. I think, you know, the problem, the problem has been up until now, because the awards were not capped, the insurance companies were just settling out of court. They weren't even going to court because the cost then would ramp up. Mm. So, you know, we've got members who can have clear documentation that the claim was not their fault, but the, their insurance companies were just settling out of court. Yeah. And that's why we become toxic, isn't it, to underwriters? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How are you doing this summer? I mean, it's a very short season, I guess, and you've had to limit what you can do. Yeah, we, well, we're, we're concentrating on the accommodation side and we're also, we're doing a big, a big investment push at the moment. We, we were passed for the employment, employment Incentive Investment Scheme, Revenue Back Scheme. So it means that if somebody invested 10, 10 grand and they're paying 40% tax, they get four grand off their tax bill straight away. So we're, uh, we're just closing out on raising finance on that to develop our whole, our whole project here, which is you know, aiming to be Ireland's premier eco activity experience and adventure centre. And I guess insurance woes are bad enough, but, but COVID on top of it has been a pain in the neck altogether, even if it is an outdoor pursuit. You know, it's actually been a double-edged sword, if you like, because particularly last year, it brought, it brought Irish people back down to Goldie, back into West Cork, who hadn't been here for years, who normally go abroad and fell in love with the place again. And in our case, some of those people were, were, have become keen to invest as well and, you know, <laughs> and booked again for this year. So in some ways, it was very good for business. And, you know, certainly the demand for accommodation was very strong. We were booked out in, in, in the short space that we were open. But, yeah, obviously, it, the, 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 the biggest implication for it is the, is the, uh, you know, the, the regulations around cleaning, et cetera, no turnovers, et cetera, take a much longer time to do, and also staff. Um, trying to get staff is a big problem. I'm sure we've all heard about trying to get people off the payment. Yeah. But a business like ours also uses volunteers from abroad, woofers, willing workers on organic farms because we farm as well. Yeah. And of course we've had no incoming. I, I've spoken about woofing. It's, it's quite <laughs> phenomenally interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's woofing, there's helpex, there's a whole bunch of them, but we haven't seen many of those this year, of course. Yeah. And actually I should also say one other impact of the insurance problem, which... It's kind of overlooked. Is I had a I had a right hand man who was who was uh, had twenty years experience in running a, an activity centre and a hostel, and half when I lost my insurance in June, I had to let him go and try and find him work elsewhere. And and uh, he found a very nice position somewhere else with a friend 
managing a, a lovely uh, wedding venue up country. But I lost a key member of staff because of the insurance problem. Hopefully he's going to come back again because, you know, our, our job is local to him. But, uh, you know, there are, there's collateral damage in that sense as well. Matt, good to talk to you and good luck uh, with your business down there. That's Matt Mills, the Goline Harbour Outdoor Activities, the insurance burden. Here we are with the best country in Europe, or one of them, one of the best countries in the world for outdoor pursuits, if that's your bag. All right, the weather can be crap now and again, but for outdoor pursuits, if that's your thing, we're one of the best countries in the world, but we're toxic to insurers for any number of reasons. 1850-715-996. Bernie, I think you might have picked me up a little bit wrong, Bernie. Uh, PJ, how dare you? You're here to listen to all of our views, to say you're sick of hearing something is horrible. If it was a doctor or a scientist, you wouldn't be saying it past last night, and that's if you would take their point of view. Quite hurt as a listener to see my views and people with similar views to me dismissed. I wasn't dismissing you, Bernie. I, I hope it didn't. I, I'm sorry it came across like that. I just said that for today, we'll leave it out a bit because it got passed last night. People didn't like it and some people didn't like it and don't like it and don't want to use it and don't want to be involved and that's entirely up to them. But it's passed and it's going to happen now. And whether you're pleased about it or displeased about it, it's going to happen. The debate was typical of these debates. It was messy and shouty and noisy. But it passed and it's going to happen. You know, if you want to be part of it, you can be part of it. If you don't want to be part of it, you don't have to be part of it. But I just thought that for today, Bernie, we wouldn't focus too heavily on it. I'm here tomorrow again and... Who knows? We might discuss it then. Um, but uh, Olive, I'm just wondering in relation to the name matching your passport. Does it need to be first name and second name and surname all matching? I.e. Mary Patricia Murphy on the passport. Mary Murphy on the COVID pass. My mum's name is Catherine. When I got her COVID pass, it says Kath. Thankfully, she won't be travelling, but just pointing out that they shortened her name. Pat Dawson's advice was the other morning that the name that is on your COVID pass should match the name on your passport. For example, uh, take someone whose name can be spelt in two ways. I'm thinking in terms of someone called Gemma, my daughter, for example, who it can be spelt with a G or with a J. If it's spelt one way on the passport, it's got to be spelled the other, the same way on the COVID pass. Mary Patricia Murphy on the passport, Mary Murphy, that should be okay. Should be okay. Uh, my mum's name is Catherine and they shortened it to Kath. I'd be inclined to check that by ringing the helpline. But then again, you can't read the helpline. Is the helpline working yet? By the way, we don't think so. The number that's printed on your vaccine pass or your COVID pass or call it what you will pass, that doesn't seem to be working yet. Oh, it is working now. Oh, thank you, Fergal. It is working now. It wasn't working up to yesterday, but it is working now. Uh, that number is working, at least. Uh, so try it. 1850 Again, coming back to Bernie's point, look at past last night, we all saw 
it going through the doll. We knew it would go through the doll. That's that's how the doll works, and it'll go through the Shannon. That's how the Shannon works. It'll go to the president. Whether the president might ask for it to be constitutionally checked in the Supreme Court, we don't know. People are saying he should. Uh, there are only certain circumstances in which he can. This is how the machine works. You could crib all day about it, but this is how it works. Uh, Mary Jane says, I've lost all credibility for wanting to go to Westlife. Ah, sure. I didn't have much at the, at the, before that, Mary Jane, so your grand girl. But uh, in order to help us look forward to getting back to great gigs like that, uh, Cork's 96 for exclusive online station, the Back Garden Festival, is streaming again all summer. Uh, all the big hits from all your festival stars with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. Listen on the app, open up the 96FM app and you'll see it down there at the bottom, the Back Garden Festival, or go online and get it at 96FM.ie. 1850-715-996. What is happening with the moon? The moon would appear to be, and this is not my word, but it's NASA's word, it would appear. Wobbling. The moon is wobbling. Now, I was looking at this moon last night and I thought, I don't see it wobbling. But apparently the moon is wobbling and it's something we need to take seriously. Space correspondent Leo Enright joins me. Leo, I looked out my window last night and I said, I can't see anything happening. What's going on? Yeah, I, PJ, I must say I liked your introduction because I'm a little, I'm, I'm a bit of a sceptic uh, here uh, about, about this. Uh, the NASA press release does seem to have slightly over-egged the pudding. Uh, and um, it wouldn't be the first time, PJ, I think you and I would agree uh, that a journalist uh, sitting in their office didn't jump on somebody over-egging a pud- pudding and adding a bit of souffle themselves. So... Basically, the bottom line is we've known for centuries uh, that the moon's orbit uh, is not flat, you know, around our equator. It's, it's tilted. The mm. orbit is tilted so that sometimes the moon is higher in the northern hemisphere, sometimes in the, in the southern hemisphere. We know this. We see it ourselves. Uh, it's, it's a day-to-day thing. Now, we all know also that it, the tides vary with the position of the moon. We know, for instance, everybody knows about a spring tide. When, when the moon is closer to the earth, has a, has a higher pull, and when a high tide comes, it just, it is pulled higher offshore by the moon. Uh, if you're still with me, PJ, I you am? haven't fallen asleep. No, because, the, no, I, <laughs> um, I want, this has been, climate change, Activists and look, climate change is a real thing, and let's let's not forget yes. they've jumped on this for a reason. I'll get to in a minute, but but what, did, what explain what NASA is actually saying rather than what we think they're saying, or can you? Okay, what they're saying is if you thought uh, climate change and very particularly this would obviously be of interest to coastal communities in Ireland, very particularly sea levels, they say that if you if you if you're worried about sea levels. Actually, you can add a little bit extra of a worry uh, for the, in, the, in the 2030s, because at that point, in the, in the way the moon orbits the Earth, it's going to have an even bigger pull than your average spring tide and will undoubtedly, they calculate, inundate uh, new areas. Mm. 
Because the gravitational pull, and a lot of people know that, the gravitational pull is what causes the tides. So if the moon moves in its orbit, even slightly, it can affect gravity and therefore can flood us more. Yes, I think wobble wobble is probably, I, I, it's another word I would have used. Um, this is a complex uh, piece of orbital mechanics uh, where the moon, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the angle of the moon's orbit compared to the Earth's equator. Mm. And uh, what they're talking about is that over a period of 18 years, this happens every 18 years, um, and what they're saying is the next one is going to happen in the 2030s. I was, that's um, where I was going with this, uh, mm. Leo. As you and I have discussed many times, pretty much everything that happens when we look out our window and stand up and look at the sky, pretty much everything that happens up there is determined mathematically to the last decimal point. So this isn't a surprise. Exactly, yeah. No, I, I do, as I said, I do think NASA could have worded this better. Um, you are right. Uh, everybody is alarmed about climate change and about uh, the, the rise in sea level. Uh, but NASA are just, they're, they're adding a warning that the sea level problem will be even worse than we imagined in the 2030s. In other words, if you're planning, if you're in, uh, say, Cork uh, County Council and you're planning uh, for certain rises in sea level in 2030, you should add a little bit more in your calculations because the moon's orbit is going to be in a slightly different position in its 18-year cycle and it's going to be raising the tides even further. It'll be a few centimetres, one presumes, but that can be the difference between a, a, a car park full of cars and a car park full of water. Mm. Now, there's nothing we can do about what the moon is going to do, but obviously we can address what we do down here, and that's where this discussion is going to go. Yes, and I think it's important to say that Europe leads the way uh, in gathering the sort of data that NASA were using to make these calculations. A lot of their data for this paper was actually derived from the European satellites that have been assiduously measuring the height of the sea level around the globe. They have it down to millimeters uh, for most of the planet. And the scientists, the reason scientists are now able to tell us things about the effect of the moon that we wouldn't have dreamed of even 20 years ago is because of this magnificent amount of data coming from the European environmental satellites. It's a huge success story for Europe. And I have to say, very important to say, that Ireland is deeply involved in this project Mm. uh, to, to understand rising sea levels. We've just done a deal with the European Space Agency to let them use our massive supercomputer, uh, the Irish National uh, High-End Computing System, to run the sort of models that will work out just how bad is it going to be. Once again, Irish scientists among the best in the world with this stuff. Well, indeed. I mean, John Tyndall, of course, was the man who discovered global warming uh, back, you know, in the 1800s. Uh, One of the greatest scientists of the 1800s was an Irishman. Uh, and it was Tyndall's work uh, on the effects of carbon dioxide uh, in the high atmosphere that, that led to the realization well, well over a century later that we on this little spaceship Earth are in trouble. Leo, I'll leave it there. Always a pleasure to speak with you on the Opinion Line. That's space correspondent Leo Enright. It's not going to move around in the sky. You won't see it wobbling. But they do need to take...
heat of it. It happens every, I think he said, 18 years or so. Moon moves slightly, affects tides, and in the 30s, 2030s, could affect tides badly. 1850-715-996. Caller says you can get insurance for anything you want if you're willing to pay the cost. I'm a painter. I've had to pay premium prices. I think that man can get insurance but can't afford it. There is insurance out there for everything. Not really, caller, because the underwriters who take on the industry, many of them just pulled out. They just didn't want to know. They And it was impossible for some of them to get insurance. So it's not always as simple as just fronting up the money and you'll get the, the premium. But thank you. That's it for today. The programme edited by Fergal Barry, produced and researched by Katie O'Keefe. See you tomorrow, just after nine.